Hey, Church Online, thanks for joining us. Today, we are starting the book of Mark, and as per our 2022 vision, we're going to focus on Jesus. We're going to discuss his story and the things that he taught and what his life means for us. And our ultimate goal is to press into his presence that we may live in the fullness of his joy. And so let's get started because we got a lot of ground to cover. Mark chapter 1, verse 1 says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Right off the bat, Mark tells us the purpose of his book. It is a story about Jesus. But I also appreciate the first part of the verse that says, The beginning of the gospel. Now, I believe there is a literalness to Mark's use of the word beginning, like this is the starting point of his story, but I believe he's hinting at much more. You see, Mark is writing this gospel about 30 years after the actual events happened, and at the time, his audience was going through tough times, likely being persecuted by the Roman emperor Nero. Therefore, Mark isn't simply telling them good news about the past, but he's also reminding them that there is good news for today. That what began 30 years ago was just the beginning, and what started back then is still happening now because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as we start this gospel, this encouragement is for us too. Yes, 2,000 years have passed, but the good news of Jesus Christ still matters today. The story that began in 30 AD is for you and for me too. And so we got to pay attention. Verse 2 goes, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now look at the last part of verse 4. Mark mentions John the Baptist is in the wilderness. And the wilderness is mentioned a few times in this chapter, not just because it's a factual part of the story, but it's also used strategically. That's because Mark's audience would have understood the word wilderness in a specific way. You see, the wilderness was a place of hardship, trials, and death. The Christians that Mark wrote Four were facing circumstances that could be described in a similar way. And Mark is subtly and strategically telling them the gospel is not hindered by the wilderness. God does marvelous things there too. And once more, this story finds application for our hearts. We too can describe our current world like a wilderness. I mean, look around at the community and the culture and the country. It wouldn't be extreme to say it seems like we're lost in a wilderness. And yet we too can be encouraged because God uses the wilderness for his good purposes. 
Verse five continues, and all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and honey. And he preached saying, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Afterwards, John was arrested. I think Mark may have been living in the wrong era. His writing reminds me of a New Englander scrolling through TikTok. Because, you know, New Englanders are no-nonsense people, like get-to-the-point type of people. Additionally, we don't have any, any attention span today. And so, uh, for example, when we watch something on social media, we immediately swipe when it's too long or too boring. And some of you probably want to swipe me away right now, too. But it feels like that's how Mark writes. He says, the, the prophet Isaiah prophesied about John the Baptist 700 years before he was born. Swipe. John baptized tons of people. Swipe. God audibly spoke from heaven at Jesus's baptism. Like, swipe. Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. Swipe. Then John was arrested. Oh, that's sad. Swipe. And as silly as that sounds, it's actually by design. Mark is moving fast through this section to make a point. And Mark's point in this first section is our first point for today. He's helping us to see that something and someone big is coming. During the Super Bowl, I got really excited to see the trailer for the new Jurassic World movie. Now, I've been a fan of this series since Jurassic Park, which came out when I was 13 years old. Do you remember the scene uh, in Jurassic Park when the water begins to shake at the sound of a heavy footstep? Now, the ripples in the water weren't the point at that part of the movie, but rather they pointed to something big coming. And that's what Mark is communicating in these first 13 rapid-fire verses. There are a lot of important characters and events mentioned, but Mark's getting to a specific point. All of this is pointing to something and someone coming. But what is this something? Who is this someone? Verse 14 says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The something 
coming is the kingdom of God. And the someone is Jesus. And that's what Mark wants us to focus on because the coming of Jesus is a big deal. And Mark has more to say about Jesus, starting in verse 16, which says, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boats, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. There are a lot of things, a lot of good things to discuss here. But there is one major theme that I want us to focus on. And point number two for today is Jesus came with authority. When Jesus came announcing the kingdom of God was here, it's implied that he is the king. Therefore, he has royal authority over this coming kingdom. And we see him begin to exercise this authority in two ways. First, he used his authority to invite people into his kingdom. My son, Noel, just had a birthday party at a jumpy place. Now, let me tell you, birthday parties are expensive. To invite 10 kids to jump for 60 minutes is like paying for a Super Bowl ticket. And even though it's Noel's birthday and we want him to invite his friends, he really didn't have the authority to do so. The one who did have authority was mom. Noel needed permission to invite friends, but Janelle could invite whoever she wanted because she was paying. At the party, there were a couple of moms who brought younger siblings who Janelle told them it's okay for them to come in too. Janelle invited people because she had authority. And Jesus invites people because he has authority. Now, check out this added insight that my friend Aiden helped me see. Jesus doesn't just have authority over the religious places. He is Lord over all. His authority extends over every part of creation, even the common, the, if you will, the unholy places, which is why you see him inviting fishermen. And here's the application for us. Jesus is inviting you into his kingdom, wherever you are at. Did you grow up in the church? He invites you. 
Do you drive a snowplow? You're invited. Are you in fifth grade and you use cuss words at school when your parents can't hear you? Guess what? You're invited too. Do you have secret addictions or are currently practicing things that you know are inconsistent with God's word? Come as you are. Jesus is inviting everyone into his kingdom. He has the authority to do so. Now, a second way we see Jesus's authority exercised is his lordship over the spiritual realm. Verse 23 said, and immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. Now, discussing this kind of stuff may be a little bit weird for us, but we must recognize the spiritual realm in order to properly understand the story and how it applies to our lives. The spiritual is just as real as the physical. And they knew that back then. That was normal. Again, Verse 27 says, and they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Notice their amazement was over Jesus's authority and not the existence of the spiritual realities. They didn't say, whoa, you mean demons are real? That was normal to them. But we have forgotten that today. And it's not because the spiritual realm ceased to exist 2,000 years ago. And our ignorance of this is probably a major reason why our communities are in such a mess. We think every problem could be attributed to or fixed by physical solutions. But the truth is, there are spiritual forces of darkness trying to destroy us. You know, that, that person who is horribly mean to you for no reason, that might be spiritually influenced because the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual darkness. And that mental and emotional darkness over your life that won't go away there very well could be a chemical imbalance impacting your health, but it also can be spiritual darkness tormenting you like in this story. And that's why Jesus's authority is significant because he has authority over the evil we can't see and over the evil that we aren't strong enough to defeat. And while they eagerly afflict us, they don't want none of him. I saw a reel on Instagram of Russell Westbrook, and, and he plays for the Los Angeles Lakers basketball, and, and he was shooting, and he got fouled pretty hard. And Russ is a big dude. He's 6'3", 200 pounds, all muscle. And when he got fouled in the video, you can see he's about to turn around, and, and he looks like he wants to fight whoever fouled him until he realized it was Giannis. And then he instantly backed away. You see, Giannis is 6'11", 242 pounds. And Russ didn't want none of him. And when Jesus came into the world with authority, the spiritual forces of darkness didn't want any. They knew who he was. 
But we got to ask, is the purpose of Jesus's authority simply to invite and intimidate? No. Point number three is that Jesus has authority to make things right. We see this back in verse 22 when Mark writes, and Jesus taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. In Jesus's day, the rabbis would just quote one another and then make reflective statements about the scriptures. But when Jesus taught, he taught with authority, instructing and compelling people to get right with God, as was the original purpose of the scriptures. And this is applicable to us today, too, because our culture, even inside the church at times, does not believe in absolute truth, let alone the authority found in the Word of God over our lives. We say things like, you believe what you believe, and I believe what I believe, but King Jesus has come with authority to call us into conformity with His Word, and not He's not just making spiritual suggestions. Jesus exercises authority to make things right again in verse 29, which says, and immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her. And he came and he took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. We touched on this just a moment ago, but Jesus is Lord over all, of both the physical and the spiritual. He has authority to heal us from physical sickness and free us from spiritual oppression, both which are results of sin making things wrong. And Jesus has come with authority to make them right. However, one reason we don't experience this freedom is we skip a simple step. Mark chapter 1, verse 30 says, Now Simon's mother lay ill with a fever. And immediately, look here, they told him about her. Have you told Jesus about your needs? He has come, and he has authority, and he's ready to make things right. All that needs to happen is for you to tell him. And a good way to begin to practice that is in prayer. Let's finish up with chapter one, which says, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And when he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. 
Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be cleaned. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to freely talk about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Jesus is also exercising authority to reconcile the world. He's restoring creation to its proper place to make right the relationship between God and man. We see the beginning of this uh, when Jesus told Simon Peter, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Jesus doesn't have authority to save only a local area or a certain people group. He has authority and he has come to save the world. And he shows us the limitless expansion of his kingdom when he encounters a leper. Now, what you need to know about leprosy is that it is a skin disease that did a lot of damage. More than that, it caused the infected to live isolated. You were not allowed to be around other people and people didn't want to be around you. Worst of all, it was a hopeless diagnosis. The priests of Jesus' day would say that the healing of leprosy was as likely as someone being raised from the dead. It was impossible. So when the leper asks Jesus, if, if you will, you can make me clean, it's appropriate to hear a tone of desperation, maybe even some doubt and heartache. Almost like in those words, the leper would say, was saying, I have been rejected by everyone. And so if you refuse to heal me, I understand, especially if you are a holy man, because God's representatives typically stay away from a person like me. But what was Jesus' response? Verse 41, moved with pity or moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. Jesus not only used his authority to physically heal him, he also used his authority to make right the understanding of God's heart. The kingdom that is coming was a kingdom for everyone, even the rejected. No matter who you are or what you've done, when you come to Jesus, he will stretch out his hand, his loving hand, to make you clean. And that's Mark's point, to show his readers that Jesus has come with authority to make things right. This matters to us today because we still live in a world that's gone wrong. Therefore, just as it was 2,000 years ago, this is good news. Amen? 
Hey, as we close, let me encourage a response based on the leper's final response to Jesus. Jesus came in power and made things right for the leper, and God did the impossible. But then Jesus commanded him not to tell anyone. Yet the leper didn't listen, and he didn't respond to Jesus's authority correctly, and his disobedience had consequences. And so here's my exhortation. The proper response to Jesus's authority is obedience. If Jesus is Lord, we should live like we believe it. Therefore, let me ask you some questions. Will you respond by accepting Jesus's invitation to be part of his kingdom? And that may require that you leave some things behind. But let me promise you, let me guarantee what you will gain is far better than what you would lose. Another question, will you respond to God's authoritative word with obedience? Even though Jesus says, come as you are, he does not mean stay as you are. Sin has made you wrong, and Jesus has come and invited you so that he can make you right. And when Jesus says everyone is invited, do you as a Christian, as God's authorized representative, do you respond by inviting everyone? Do you even invite anyone? And so as we finish, I'll put it this way. Be a fisherman, not a leper. Obey Jesus. And if you're listening today and you've heard Jesus's invitation and you're ready to receive it, your next step is simple. Verse 15 says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. If you are ready to walk into the kingdom of God, Turn from your sin, repent, leave it behind, and put your faith in Jesus. Believe in the gospel and follow him as Lord and Savior. And by his grace and love and authority, he will forgive you and make you new and give you the promise of eternal life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that everyone who hears it will respond to its authority. Not because you are a harsh master demanding obedience, but because you are a loving Savior desiring to make things right. And so please forgive us for our sins. And today, make our lives right through Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us for Church Online. If this was your first time, please fill out a Connect card. We would love to say hi to you. We'll even send you a gift. Also, if you have any prayer requests, would like to know more about the River Church, or if you have decided to follow Jesus today, we want to hear from you. And there's an easy way to do that on our website, riverchurchct.com, or you can text the keyword TRC Connect to 94,000. God bless you. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.